As you all know, we get great support from Gripstar Socks. Gripstar anti-slip socks feature panels that create traction that improve speed, acceleration and stability. Gripstar socks are designed to de- deliver maximum comfort and flexibility, featuring a breathable mesh design that removes sweat and reduces odours. Perfect for high movement sports, working on your feet or lounging safely at home. Seriously grippy. Beers and banter, episode 40. We've got Tony Wiebeck in the house tonight. He's a senior writer at Australian Golf Digest. He's been covering the NRL for over 10 years. Let's rip in. Tony Weavick, welcome to the Sweaty Box. Thanks, Matty. It's not too sweaty. It's nice. It is actually a good time of year. And uh, the elephant in the room is, is my homebrew sitting on the corner of the table. I've got to tell you about that. I'm ha- actually having trouble getting it up to temperature at the moment. So it needs to sit at about 22 degrees and uh, it'll start, it starts bubbling when it gets to 22 degrees, but it's no good at the moment. It's too cold. So You can't just give it a cuddle? and I'd, I've been putting a blanket on it at night. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking. Uh, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Happy to be here. It's exciting. Uh, I noticed you've got the Titans gear on. How long have you been on the Cold Coast for? Oh, I've been on the coast almost seven years now. It was 2013, uh, November 2013, we made the move up here to to the sunny coast and sunny Gold Coast, I should say. God, let's not get confused. But yeah, that was to cover the Titans. And yep. um, yeah, it's been uh, family settled and we're really happy here. So, so what grabbed my interest online is I saw you declare your allegiance to the Gold Coast football codes. Now, that's right down my alley that, you know, we're on the Gold, Gold Coast is the sporting capital of Australia and you've seen the light and you've, you've, you've joined the church. I feel like this isn't going to be a confessional. I feel yes. like this is a really safe place for me to come and talk about this. That's okay. Anyone who knows me well will know I'm a mad, mad South Sydney fan from day one. My yep. family, my uncle played reserve grade for the Rabbits and my dad played uh, for Kensington in Sydney and it's kind of been within our blood. But I had the, uh, I guess, the epiphany last week that if people who move to the coast, such as me, don't get behind the coast teams, we won't have teams on the Gold Coast. So I'm wearing my Titans hoodie proudly. I'm going to wear it on Friday night to the Warriors game and I'm going to buy a membership and... Get behind the suns as well, and I love it. That's that's exactly where I was when when they first joined the comp. I grew up as a Broncos fan, and I still cop cop shit from my mates for for getting off the Broncos. But I didn't really go for Seagulls, and then we lost the Chargers, and then it really dawned on me that well, I love rugby league. I'm a Gold Coaster. The Gold Coast is a great rugby league town. If we want you know, top-level rugby league on the Gold Coast, you need to support the team. So when the bid started to happen that they were going to come back, I really got behind it from that point on and I've been a member ever since. And it is something I'm passionate about that it, it's the sporting capital of Australia. We, we talk about it every week on the pod. We're now seeing it. The AFL teams have all moved here. They've, re- they've seen the light. Victoria is no good for sports. Home of the AFL. Home of the AFL. <laughs> Who would uh, ever have thought? The only problem is I think our home team, the Suns, are in Wollongong at the moment. They're stuck down there. But um, all the teams have got out of Victoria. Uh, I'm not sure. I should have done a little bit more research. We've, we've got a certain amount of, on the Gold Coast and some, I believe, have gone to Perth. 
I'm wondering when was the last time they had a round of AFL and no games were at the MCG? It's got to be a while. It must. It could never have happened. I mean, it was where every Saturday and Sunday game were played. Yeah. Yeah, when we were kids watching, I grew up in Coffs Harbour and, you know, you only ever saw games at the MCG. It was really where they were played. And I can't imagine there was ever a time that there was a round where, A, no games at the MCG and, B, no games in Victoria at all. It's... It's obviously bizarre circumstances um, and we're, we're hoping we don't get the wave two up here, but um, I'm not sure the next time you're going to see AFL in Victoria. It, it, it's at least six weeks from today bef- was, before they play a game there. It was interesting to me to watch AFL 360 a week or so ago and they're talking about the logistics of getting teams out of Melbourne and into hubs either in Adelaide or Perth or up here on the coast or Brisbane, wherever. I can't... It must become a tipping point. There has to be a tipping point where games just become too difficult to be staged. The A League didn't get out of the three A League teams didn't get out of Victoria, mm. so they're they're stuck there. Um, when do we start talking about an AFL Grand Final somewhere other than the MCG on the Gold Coast? Metricon is it Perth? Where do we? Where do they go? Yeah, probably Perth. The new stadium in Perth would probably be a. Or maybe Adelaide, Adelaide Oval. Adelaide Oval. Well, I guess it's capacity. What yeah. Alta Stadium in Perth holds, what, 60,000, I think? 50, 60,000? Yeah. That's probably, unless they play it in Sydney. It, it's crazy. Crazy. Uh, I'm thinking this might help us with our son's recruitment. All these players are now playing, training and playing and going, how good is this? Is this winter? <laughs> is, this, is, this is the middle of winter. Surely, surely they're going to realise how good it is and they'll come here for next to nothing from now on. We might get a boss of North Melbourne or St Kilda thinking relocation isn't <laughs> such a bad idea. Maybe we'll have two teams on the coast. There'll be a team on the sunny coast next, yeah. But it's an, you do raise an interesting point. And for AFL to be embedded in Queensland the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future, I, I wonder how, you know, it still doesn't seem to me that AFL is still probably quite, not niche, but hasn't taken the foothold that obviously it has in Victoria and Adelaide and Perth in Queensland. Will this fast track, will, does this put pressure on rugby league? I think two, two things will. The sun's been at the top of the table. The number one draft pick that's going gangbusters until the weekend, mm. but everyone's still excited, Matt Rao. Um, Lions going good. He's a good. ginger too, so he's got <laughs> lots going for him. Lions going good. Lions are going good. Um, as a died in the wall rugby league person it scares me mm. you've now got you know it is the hub you know all jokes aside the gold coast or southeast queensland is the hub for afl right now two southeast queensland teams going well it will draw in a lot of fans and there's a lot of brisbane people that right now that aren't real keen to go to a broncos game and titans i think there's, there's light there for the titans um the weekend against the sharks wasn't great but that depleted squad but I think I want to start a new hashtag trust in Justin. I think um, I think the Titans I think the Titans are in the right hands for the first time in a little while. Um, no, I'd love to see that all this David Fafita contract talk concerns me greatly. Oh, like I've got I've said to friends I think the next signing they make shapes the yeah. next five years, and I'm not sure he's the right. I'll, I'll give you three names, and you can only have one of them: David Fafita. Harry Grant or Craig Bellamy? Oh, Craig Bellamy. <laughs> <laughs> like, He's talking about retiring. Get Cameron Smith 
to play one year and put him in a head of football role. Yeah. The next. We need some kind of clear path ahead. I've spoken to people recently involved with the Titans and said, who's setting the agenda? Who's running? Who's setting the path? And, and it's barely anyone can give me a clear answer Isn't to that. Isn't it Mal? Isn't that Mal's job? In what respect? Head of performance and culture. For the football team. Yeah. Like, but there's a CEO who's setting direction in terms of corporate. Yeah, Yeah, but wasn't he performance and culture across the whole business? He lives in Canberra. Mal does? Yeah. I didn't know that. Or Sydney. He might have have moved back to Sydney. He's he's not on the coast anymore. Like, he's doing two or three days a week. I didn't know that. It's... I know they want a big signing. I think they need the right signing. I think, and you know, you've had Jai Arrow on the co- on the podcast before. Yeah. I don't know how Jai sits in the sheds this week, having been told there was a cap on how much they were willing to spend on him, yet the checkbook's open for Dave Fafita, where I think Jai could have been the heart and soul of the club for 10 years. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where they're going in the recruitment strategy. I, f- I think Jai's mullet, mullet is a cry for help. It it either that or he's trying to get his contract torn up from Wayne. Uh, Jai, I know you're out there. It's it's uh, we're here, we're with you. He'll be back. Jo- we'll get Jaiyo back. But I, yeah, I'm with you. We, uh, I'm we couldn't have paid overs for Jai because of the, the scenario we're in. But to, to turn around and openly know that we're going to have to pay two hundred and fifty thousand more for Fafita than what the Broncos. That's crazy. 400 a year more, they're talking. You know, they're talking 1.1 a year as opposed to 700 at the Bronx. But if you're you're going in to do your negotiation with the boss and he says, we've got a million dollars a year for you for five years, but we're prepared to go higher if that's not good enough. Do you sign or do you wait for the bigger offer? But this is my concern about the whole thing is that I think the Titans, again, have just been used as a bargaining he's chip. Never, he's not coming. He's not. I don't think he's coming either. And, and if he comes now, I don't think he's coming for the right reasons. So that Jai is a – I agree. I, I think they couldn't afford – they shouldn't have broken the bank to keep Jai, but they shouldn't break it 12 months later on another guy who doesn't represent the qualities and the values I think the Jai, Gold Coast yeah. Titans should be built around. I just want to know – Paying overs to get a keeper product back to the Gold Coast – and he's a freakish talent, we know. But it's to me, there's got to be more than that. We've got to know what the Titans as a team are going to stand for. Yeah. A year ago and they had, I think there was like eight or nine guys on the side who were local juniors under 23 years of age. Yeah. Phil Sammy, AJ Brimson, these guys. And I'm like, well, if, if this is where we're going, I'll get behind it. But then it chops and changes and there's Shannon Boyd gets brought in and Tyrone Peachy and I just don't know – yeah, and do you know what the unfortunate thing is? I think a few of our toilers, like the guys that actually you know, whether, you know whether they're having the greatest game or not, they're putting in. Uh, so you Tyrone Roberts, uh, Nathan Peets, Ryan James, Kevin Proctor, uh, Anthony Don are all the guys off contract this year. And they're all the guys that I'd go, well, do you know what, I'd, I want to keep them at the club. And then the guys that are we're paying for another year or two is – those names you just wrote off, Boyd, Peachy, Cartwright, who were brought in and it's just not delivered. But but we've still got them for another year or two. The talk is that Shannon Boyd doesn't want to be doesn't even want to be here anymore. 
and I don't mind those guys individually. Like Tyrone yeah, Peachy yeah, yeah. was an Origin player, and it brings a lot to a team. I just think we've got twenty five pieces of a puzzle, and we don't know what the picture looks like at the moment. I definitely want the roster to, to resemble what you said before, Gold Coast, Gold Coast product, and and you know strategically bring guys in to fill fill gaps. But and they're going in that direction, but it sort of it definitely went off. Went off on a tangent when those guys got brought in from Penrith. I feel like the Titans were on the verge of replicating what the Knights had done and yep. weren't brave enough to follow through with it. Yeah. that They went a year or two down that path and went parachuted out of it. Whereas the Knights, the reason – I'll get in trouble here because I'll mix them up – but Daniel and Jacob Saifidi amongst the two best props in the game at the moment because they were 18 and 19-year-olds playing first grade and getting belted every week. Yeah. They've now played 100 games – and they're emerging with the right people around them and the right players around them. They've brought in... But even the Knights have had to bring in oh, know, Ponger and Pierce and um, Clemmer. The, the right signings at yeah. the right time. Yeah. And and with that core of those young guys around them. So you you've, you can't just... I hate seeing the Titans put their hand up for every player on the market and missing out. Well, it's just worse and, and it's highlighted that if you're the Roosters, the Storm or the Broncos, you get to pay unders. And if you're everybody else, you're paying overs to get them to your club. And it's going to take, you know, getting out that maybe the coach is a great guy or maybe the culture is really good or, hey, how good is it living on the Gold Coast to break that trend? But until we're competitive, we've got to be competitive to then bring in the elite that guys are going to go, do you know what? That roster looks like we could win a premiership. Yeah, I am going to sign there. And that's exactly right. And that's, as a South fan, the, the turning point for us was signing Roy Azatazi. Yeah. At the time, he was the best prop in the game and we had to pay overs to get him, but it gave us credibility. The Titans need that next signing. I think the Titans are Broncos and the Cowboys to an extent are all suffering from lack of leadership within the playing group. Mm. There, there is just no one, oh, you know, I've said to friends recently, I'd love to see a Wade Graham or a Joel Thompson or just someone with that hard edge to them that well, can keep young guys... I think that's the problem, though. If we sign Dave Fafita and then lose, like, Ryan James and Kevin Proctor, we really do look – the leaders that we do have in our forward pack. Um, and Jai. And Jai. That would really worry me because then we really would be just this young squad that's been mashed together. Like, uh, at least with those those guys, the three of them are all local juniors. Um, you know, Proctor was at Crumbin, pretty sure. Uh, Ryan James is from Palamble. Jai is a burly boy. You know, at least they're, they're all locals. But if we lose, if we if we have to throw bucket loads of money at at Fafita, but then lose three locals, well, there's no point. It's, we'll lose it. We will start to lose the identity again. There can be a point if we know what the point is. Yeah, I, I just that's what I want to hear out of head office. I guess is what's the team going to look like in three years? What's the plan? You know, we're not going to win the comp this year or next year. What's the plan to win it in three to five years' time? Yeah. And how do we go about that? What's What are we building our core values there, around? There's some good young names. I'm hopeful for next year, but we can't pay ridiculous money for Fafita and then not be able to recruit around him. Um, you know, Harry Grant is the most exciting young name. I don't, To be honest, I think he plays for the Storm next year. That's, that's yeah. The Storm let him go. I can't see it happening. But, you know, it can't be Fafita... And then no one else. I, I think he's good. I don't even, but I'm not sure whether he's Tom Alolo good. Tom Alolo is the only Ford worth a million bucks in the competition. Yeah, to to me, 
a team gets respect by having players who are respected. Yeah. That's where they need to... Uh, you could change the club tomorrow by signing Jake and Tom Trebojevic. Yeah. But yep. they're few and far between. They, I, I've looked... A few weeks ago, I looked through the, the team list for every team, looking for a leader, looking for a leader you could bring to the club who instantly brings respect to the playing group. I've said to people, for, I think they got Greg, Greg Bird too early. Ryan, well, Ryan was, James Yeah, needed, I wasn't a fan. <laughs> Ryan needed Birdie around. He, yeah, such, he, did. he needed him to help him become the leader within the club. I think it was thrust on Ryan too early without the support he needed around him. He's had an unlucky couple of years, though. If oh, you put definitely. him back in our squad in the last two years, I'm not saying we would have made the eight, but it would have been a lot. I think there would have been a lot less hurt for Titans fans. The hard thing being a Titans fan is you get instantly kicked. And people probably think that I'm real nasty at the Broncos at the moment. I actually love the Broncos. I've, I've loved the Broncos since I was four years old. And they'll always be my, you know, second team. But what, what I've found over the last couple of years, I've never cheered against the Broncos until the last couple of years. It's because they get to play every Thursday night. They get everything their way. And I just didn't like some of the things that they were doing at their club and all of a sudden I'm cheering for other teams to beat the Broncos. It's never happened in my life, but it has happened over the last couple of years. And I find it funny right now how the Broncos fans are. And it's like, welcome to our world. Every time the Titans lose, we get relocated and, <laughs> and, and kicked out of the comp. Like, this is – get over it. It's five weeks, six weeks. A six-week losing streak lose, sounds losing so their, bad, does it? Losing their minds because they haven't won a game <laughs> in five weeks. Like, please <laughs> – Took us twelve months. It's and again, I think they've had a a change in the roster. There, they got unlucky with Matt Gillett. I, I think they did him take him and Josh McGuire out of that forward pack, and you'll lose a lot of experience and a lot of again that just hard edge respect. They lost me when they signed Matt Lodge. To be fair, yeah, and that's a controversial um, decision. And, and but not only by signing him, it really says that we'll put up with a lot. <laughs> So that, what does that do for your culture as far as like... James Roberts before him? You play, you, you, uh, James hadn't really played up too much no, not in the, while he was at the Titans. Absolutely, yeah. Now, don't get me stuck. That's another... He should still be here. He was at the Titans. It was a bungled, another bungled contract. Like, but when, when you sign Matt Lodge, you're basically setting a bar of what you're willing to accept as a club as far as off-field behaviour. And I thought that set it pretty low. You know, for all Todd Carney's faults, he's never hurt anybody else. And I think he should still be playing in the NRL as far as I'm concerned. That's just my personal opinion. But when you set the bar here for off-field performance or off-field culture, it, I, I reckon that's that was two years ago now. And you've, you now see where the Broncos are as far as leadership or, you know, culture. It's, it's not there. I'm a big believer that the club has to stand for something for players to buy into it. And for it, to, it has to mean more than 17, 21 blokes yeah. playing footy together. It's got to – you've got to respect the club and the jersey and what you're playing for more than yourself. The teams that are successful have that. The Roosters have that. The Storm have that. I've spoken to people who go and visit the Storm and are blown away at, way, at the way that organisation runs. You've got – your culture is a – overused word but there has to be a belief system within the club that starts at the top and filters down and is never compromised the funny thing is 
and this is something I'll throw out every now and then, the Broncos haven't won a comp since the Titans entered it. They've made a grand final, but they haven't won a comp. Now, every time they propose a new team for Brisbane, I, I just say, hang on, you're going to dilute that even further. Throwing a, Parachuting a team into Brisbane does not give you instant success. So they haven't won a comp since the Titans came back in. And they're now having to they, – they keep – everyone thinks – what do you think of when you think of the Broncos? The glory days. Around the Super League era, God knows what they were paying blokes back then. 92, 93, that's when I – you know, that was my earliest, you know, Broncos. You can't have 12 origin players in your footy team anymore. No. So Broncos fans need to get used to the fact that that's not – the glory days you're remembering are never going to come back. Unless you play for something more – and that's why I'm such a big believer that it, it's got to come from the ground up. But if, if you drop another team into Brisbane, all of a sudden they're missing even more of those young juniors where – But they well, shouldn't be. If, if you grow up in Brisbane, you know, and the junior kind of reaches unparalleled, but if you grow up on the Gold Coast, if you grow up on Brisbane, you should attach yourself to a team that you believe in. You might not play your whole career there, but there should be no – that's like Penrith. Yeah. Penrith should never have a rebuilding year. They should have 11, 12. But like – so when, when I was sort of 15, 16, 17, the charges had just been kicked out of the comp. So if you were any good, you had a pair of Broncos shorts and a pair of Nike boots and you were on some sort of deal and that was on the Gold Coast. So – their, their catchment, yes, is still great, but it's been reduced with the Titans coming back in. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just not convinced that parachuting another team into South East Queensland is instant success for the for the NRL. And I wonder how the AFL kind of being thrust into here this year in these circumstances encourages Peter Volandis to fast track that Brisbane team to because it does you know does the player base get stretched by having AFL teams in town. Well, what, what I what I want the NRL to do is back the Titans the same way the AFL back the Suns. They pour a whole lot of money into this region, whether that's junior programs, funding, drafts. I know we don't have a draft in in, um, in NRL, but Matt Rowe's a pretty good argument for having a having a draft. Like that the the Suns are finally starting to see the fruit of getting all the good young kids. You know, like but they can't keep them, can they? That's that, the history of the Suns is they – and there's, I think, a two or three-year now kind of yeah. commitment that they must make to their first club. But but again, it comes back to a club being successful. You know, if the Suns have two good years, Matt Ray will stay for three more. Yeah. Which will encourage other players to come. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Success breeds success. It's the oldest phrase in the book. I, I, want, I want to know – what was what was Melbourne won the grand final in their second season? Ninety eight. Was it ninety eight? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. They won. Yes, you're right. Against St George. Because ninety eight was the. How re- did they re- do re- it? I want to know how that who like was it John Rebo, Chris Johns, like who who were the people that just kickstarted that club into instant success? Was it was it money? Was it players? Was it you know concessions? You know to go and drop a team in. AFL Heartland and win the comp the next year. Really clever recruitment. Yeah. They had an well, they just targeted the right people. Glenn Lazarus was a winner. Yep. 
Um, Brett Kamali, the Hunter Mariners, of course, had folded. Yeah. Folded. Yeah. So they recognised that. Um, was it Kam- no, or Matt Orford. I'll get in trouble now. Jeez, I should know that. No, Kamali went to the Storm. Storm def- yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so him and he and Craig Kamali were the Hunter Mariners. So Tuera Nickow, Stephen Kearney. They just got it right. Marcus Boy, I think. Marcus Boy, Matt he, he Dyer, was a, Robbie Ross. Marcus, Marcus Boy was a charger, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he played on the wing for the Gold Coast Chargers. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I'm not sure where Robbie Ross, I think he was a Mariner as well. So they got... They got the pick of all the teams that folded. They did get some kind of advantages, I think, in terms of, you know, putting adding to their roster. Um, and, and then a couple of years later, they land... Potentially the GOAT coach. Craig Bellamy. And ever since have just been in the finals. And set a standard that every player who comes to that club must meet or they just move them on. What what's someone made a good point to me recently. But mate, why isn't that just if, if if everyone that sees that on the outside looking in, why doesn't every just every club have the same mantra? It's the it's our way or the highway. Well, I don't think it's that blunt. Oh, I think there's a, a nuance to it that and probably Melbourne being an AFL town, yep. there's anonymity, there's a collectiveness that, you know, I think the players all, and fa- you know, with families spend a lot of time together. So I think there's a sort of that deeper buy-in there, which I think Craig Bellamy encourages and facilitates in a lot of ways. Um, so being the loners, you know, in town probably brings them together that other clubs don't have that, kind yeah. of, I guess, that advantage, but... It's, yeah, they, they just, someone made the point to me, name a Storm player who's left that club and been better at another club. Yeah, I heard that this week. It's a short list. You could argue Mate, Ryan Hoffman had a couple of good years at the Warriors. I guess Kamali went to the sh- Bulldogs and Sharks after he left Storm, but he was probably at his best at the Storm. It's, you know, and... I'll get his last name wrong, but Big Tino, who's there at the moment, you know, he's another big signing that the Titans are pinning their hopes on. He's, you know, we've seen with Kevin. I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Proctor. I think he does a lot of work in that Titans team that people don't probably appreciate. I think it. I think it was highlighted on the weekend how soft our middle is when he's not there. But he's not. He's a different player than what he was at the Storm because he played in a in a structure and a system that well, he, he used to get to run off Cooper Cronk. Now exactly. he, gets, he gets hospital balls every every. <laughs> Tino's running off Cameron Smith, yeah, you know, and making big yards. Like, what's how's that look next year? What what do we put around these guys we're bringing? How do we bring that together? How do we bring the best out of them? And I'm, you know, bring on trust in Justin. You know, that's. Ooh. I think he's the right guy. I I I I've liked what I've seen so far. Um, you know, I'm not as connected as yourself. You're not as close to it as what yourself. But I didn't hear great things about the previous coach as far as that culture and that professionalism because uh, I'd spoken to players that had been at other clubs and I said, well, what's the big difference? It's just like couldn't even turn up on time to his own meetings. That's the coach. Yeah. That comes back to setting the standard. Set, um, I, did a, I did a leadership course with a guy last year and he said the first thing in leadership, be first. Mm-hmm. Do it. Lead the way. Um, yeah, anyway, we've gone deep. Apologies to all the people that wanted to hear all the AFL chat this week. 
I'll try again next week. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few things I wanted to talk to you about on the golf front. Yeah. Um, obviously, the big headline this week, Bryson DeChambeau just hitting, smacking the cover off the ball. I had a mate ask me today, he wanted me to ask you, what's the next big technology development in golf? But I'm thinking they're going to have to go back to wooden clubs or something. What, what, where are they going to go with, with golf? And they haven't got enough, they can't afford the real estate to, to make the golf courses any bigger. I think the line's out of the den. Um, the wooden bats in baseball, I guess, have kept things in check there to an extent mm. with they've been able to play in those classic fields yes. for so long. Um, yeah, the, the, the line's out of the cage in terms of winding back. The talk for a long time has been developing a tour ball, yeah. which would be a ball that maybe flies 15%, 20% less than the standard ball does now for us hackers who need all the help we can get. What I find interesting about Bryson DeChambeau at the moment is he's changing the game by changing his body. Yep. Which we've seen before with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods made golf an athletic pursuit. He changed what an athlete who played golf looked like. Bryson, Eddie Pepperell, who golf followers who are on Twitter will know very well, is quite a funny guy and never afraid to share his thoughts. He posted his protein creatine bucket that he's going to dive into from now on to to bulk up like Bryson. But outside of a tour ball, I don't know how we wind back technology to make courses that have been played for a century remain relevant. Yeah. Players athletically just swing it faster, swing it harder than they have and they've got more advantages with that technology to hit it straighter. Brooks, Brooks Kepka's pretty solid too, and he's a big frame or not? Oh, yeah. him and Dustin Johnson are like were elite basketball, you know, yeah. athletes in college and, and high school and things like that. They are big guys who built it. And now the beauty of golf and why it's the greatest game on the world is that there'll always be a place for Rory McIlroy's fit, but he's not bulky like those other guys are still. Tennis sort of had it too, though, right? With I mean, Pete Sampras and Philip Pousis and those guys, you know, smacking the ball down. But then he's still the Leighton Hewitts and the Roger Federer's and the. Um, you had the big servers in your Goran Ivanisevic and those guys who were just big servers. And if they didn't serve an ace, they were out of the point. Yeah. Golf has that as well. It has, you know, but yeah, Bryson fascinates me. He, he's like, he comes at golf in a way that no one else ever has. He's sort of meticulous in his planning and he's math he's mathematics kind of genius in college. So he just decided that I'll just get bigger and swing harder and see what happens. And he won the Rocket Mortgage Classic last week, which is probably the most apt tournament for him to win in his new ripped bombing physique. We we talk about the Gold Coast being the sporting capital of Australia and obviously all the AFL teams and all that. Is, it, is this Australia's chance to maybe get a big golf tournament back on the map? Like the way America is at the moment and the way parts of the world are, like can you imagine if we had someone that could throw a serious amount of cash at, you know, like the Australian, Australian PGA last year, that was the first time I'd ever been to live golf. I'd never been to a golf tournament. I had the best two days. Um, uh, big Dilsey, shout out to Dilsey. Thanks, mate. He took me, basically followed him around and we followed, followed Adam Scott around for two days. Best two days, like, I was like, where has this sport been all my life? You know, just on the beers, 
walking walking the golf course, but without the stress of actually having to play. Is is now the time for Australia to try and put itself on the map? You know, if, imagine if the prize money for the PGA warranted you know the attention of some of those top guys, and we brought them here because it's going to Australia's going to be safer than some of those other countries. There was such wood. There was serious talk. Well. Not between Australia and America, but internally at either, when the PGA was looking unlikely, the PGA Championship, one of the four majors, which is in San Francisco next month, it looked like it couldn't go ahead in America at that point. Yeah. There, there was there was ser- serious people looking at whether we could bring the US PGA Championship, rename it the PGA Championship, and play it in Australia later this year. That was a topic of discussion. And Victoria messed that up for us or what? <laughs> no, no, just I guess America is sort of yeah. pressing forward regardless. They're just to hell with it, put a mask on and get outside. So they're going to play that with no fans um, next yeah, month, okay. which will be the first major, I'm guessing, ever played without fans. So I think Australia's opportunity is we could have we could have put – I talk to players quite often. They were begging for a tournament to be played. The state border closures made that difficult. Yeah. You can't really hold a sanctioned event if some players can't get there that's not fair on them so there's kind of that kind of management of the I guess the playing membership that has to happen but I would love to have seen us play some mixed you know we've got some of the best lady golfers on the planet as well yeah um we had an opportunity to play like they had the had a couple of charity events made for tv the tiger and oh, yeah. Phil the, with um NFL Tom Brady and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Peyton Manning, I think. And so we could have done something really cool, but it just was a bit logistically hard. But I think that's the Vic Open shown in the last few years with guys and girls playing at the same event. I think a lot of state opens are going to go that way in the very near future. Queensland was close this year. We had it played at Pelican Waters up in the sunny coast um, and Anthony Quayle. But to your point about Gold Coast being the sporting capital, some of our, you know, all the golf, many golfers are moving up here. We've got Adam Scott spent, the last three months playing golf on the sunny coast. Lucas yep. Herbert, who's Bendigo boy originally, he's now based on the sunny coast as well. There are a heap of guys who played at Sanctuary Cove. Yep. Um, so I think South East Queensland, we can lay claim to... Imagine if Big Clive, you know, Big Clive Palmer just went, righto, I've got 20 million. Come and play my course at the Hyatt. I think no, Clive's done his all. dash. <laughs> Clive did his dash a few years ago when he put Rex the Dinosaur in play and <laughs> sprayed all the fairways with... Uh, signage. He uh, that was almost a PGA that didn't get played. So wow. um, I think Clive's been, but maybe not Clive. Maybe someone else. If we could find someone to put on a tournament, it's just money. Yeah. If we want the best players in the world to play, that's why I think our best opportunity. Tom, Tom Tate, Gold Coast Tourism. Throw the cash at it. Imagine if we could lure a couple of those blokes and it went went to the US, COVID free, best place on the planet. Come for a holiday. You know, an idea I had during lockdown, and because we have plenty of ideas in lockdown that seemed like a good idea, was doing a top golf event and yeah. then a, and maybe a, like a one-round event the next day. Like, we've got that opportunity on the coast that we could do, you know, they've, you know, you watch anything in lockdown, don't you? So there were, there were <laughs> top golf tournaments being played in the States yeah. that, you know, they put on Fox Sport or ESPN and yeah, well, yeah. why can't we, 
you know, why couldn't we have got Adam Scott and Lucas Herbert to come down the road and play against a couple of the girls and yep. and just do something? We need to kind of think a bit outside the box to get attention. More than anything, we don't need players. We need people to watch yeah. and get interested. And golf's actually benefited a lot in this period. Like people, golf courses have been full. Because it's one of the things you could do. One of the things you could do. <coughs> and, and I really hope that we latch on to the opportunity that people have engaged with golf the last three months. Give them something to watch on TV that doesn't go for five hours, that is engaging, shows men and women, female, you know, like our best players featured and make it an entertainment product. It's, a, it's one of those things that if once, to, once you're involved, you're spending a lot of money, which is probably why there's always plenty of money around golf is that you can't – rugby league, you watch rugby league, you might buy a jersey or a ball. You buy you you get involved in golf. It's gonna, you'll be broke for the rest of your life. It's like fishing, but that's that's something I was watching. I, I was watching I've, a lot of fishing videos. I've seen your clubs. You've, <laughs> you've proved you only have to ever buy one set of clubs for your life. <laughs> They're pretty old. And we I need to find you a golf sponsor for this show. Yes. Yeah. Open. <laughs> Strickson, Taylor Made, Callaway. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I was going to ask you, who's the name in golf that we, we may not have heard of today? You, you, you know, golf people might've heard of them, but you know, just when, who, who, who's that golf player that's emerging today in Australia, that'll be a household name in five years. I'll go, can I go three levels with this? Yeah. Cause there's a guy that a lot of people may not know by the name of Minwoo Lee, who's 21 he won the Vic Open in February in atrocious conditions. His sister Minji, I think, is ranked four in the world at the moment. Minwoo Lee will be our next superstar. Cool. He, he'll be our next regular major contender. He'll be. He's already got a European Tour win now under his belt. Vic Open's co-sanctioned, so he gets that. Yep. So he's now secure in that tour. Like he, he's our next. He hits it a mile. He's there's a tri- great tri- trick shot he did only a couple of weeks ago on Instagram where he just puts the club in some weird spot and hits it a mile. Hits a stink. Like, he is our he is our excitement machine who we should be pumping up and getting people excited about golf by using him as our... He's the guy. He's the one. Next to that, I'll go a guy, Ryan Ruffles, who he turned 18 um, and turned pro and struggled for a few years. So he's still only young. He's still probably only 21, 22 now playing on the secondary tour in the US. He's got a lot of game and he's now gone through that hardship of being exposed to what it takes to be successful. He was, you know, a golden boy who turned pro and struggled. So he's now, he's got a few bumps and bruises, which is never a bad thing. Yeah. Another guy who, um, based up this way, Elvis Smiley, who left-handed, recently played with Adam Scott in one of his uh, Instagram live matches. Yeah. He uh, he's contested. He's well. He's gone deep in a couple of Australian amateurs. He's played well at the Australian Open last year. So uh, yeah, he's he's maybe three years, three four years time. He'll be the one to uh, to keep an eye out. Bet on another good lefty up there. Fairly marketable name, Elvis Smiley. Liz Smiley's young blood, there former you great tennis player. Yep. Yeah, so right and Ryan Ruffles as well. Ray Ruffles, um, and his his sister Gabby won the US. Women's amateur last year, so there's some there's some prodded there's some good um, lineage in a few of those guys and girls. Very good, yeah. Okay, uh, you've been you've been a journalist for a fair while. 
What's what's your favourite story you've ever covered? You know, it's funny. It's probably not my favourite, but when I was a green young journo out in Dubbo, we had South come out to play a pre-season game against West, yep. which is always a big deal. We did like a an eight-page lift-out for the paper for this pre-season trial game. So I got to – I remember interviewing Brett Robwell, you know, while he was driving from Sydney to Dubbo. I was so excited. <laughs> I was interviewing Brett Robwell. That was the weekend of uh, Julian O'Neill in the Palms Hotel and Sloshy Stew, Jeremy Sloshy's Stew, the infamous incident. Uh, was he down? Was he? Oh, was Julian O'Neill? He was at the Rabbitohs the... at that point. So he left a, a sizable deposit in Jeremy Sloshy's Stew uh, at the Palms Hotel. So was that before or after the incident at Jupiter's at the at the yeah, cards I'm not table? Sure of the timeline, but <laughs> close, probably. Uh, Close together, but so I, I went in the I covered the game on the Saturday night, yeah, and then uh, went into we didn't have a Sunday paper then, but went in Sunday to work and to get ready for the Monday paper, and got the phone call from the front part of the paper saying there's an in, been an incident at Palms <laughs> Hotel. Do you want to cover that as well? And I kind of regret the fact now that it's it's just the perfect rugby league story. And I said that's okay. I'll just cover the back the back half, and you guys. Worry about the police matters, but yeah, crazy. that's one that every time it comes up in someone's Twitter feed, it makes me <laughs> <laughs> makes me smile. Oh, oh, the next one I was going to ask you: What's the worst story? Slash, who's the biggest wanker? Slash, weirdest person you've ever you know done a story on? That's a tough one. I always get asked your favourite person you've interviewed or story you've done. Yeah. And it's kind of I'd never really. I don't know. You always. I never really think back on the bad ones. The, well, not they can all go a bit wrong. There are just guys who kind of will challenge you, but I kind of like that. Corey Parker was a guy that would challenge you as a journal, but I quite like that. I didn't want a player to stand there and say, "Yeah, we're really working hard. We just know if we keep sticking to the structures." Well, yeah, I like when James Roberts got. I think it was against the it was the Titans game when he kicked Ryan Simpkins. Yeah. In a semi-final a couple of years ago. And myself and another journo, Wayne Hemming, were talking to Corey Parker. We were interviewing Corey Parker and he's like, well, what do you blokes reckon about James getting off? And we didn't think he would. But at least we we had a good – so Corey was a guy that would kind of – if you weren't on your game well, – I mean, Wayne Bennett's a classic as well. Wayne – I'll never forget the first time I interviewed Wayne Bennett was at Newcastle. I was living on the Central Coast and – I was doing a piece on Danny Badiris playing his last last season. I thought this, this would be right at Wayne's Alley. He'll be happy to talk about a guy like Danny Badiris. Yeah. And I reckon my first – where, where was Wayne at the time? He was coaching the Knights. He was at the Knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, he was yeah, coaching yeah. the Knights. Yeah. So this is after a game. I approached him after the press conference and said, look, just doing a quick story on Danny, you know, his last season, you know, have a quick chat. I reckon we got through four questions in about 15 seconds. <laughs> Thankfully, I had – 10 up my sleeve. So we got there, but – and Wayne's press conferences at the Broncos, you know, we just – I wrote a piece once. It actually did really well on the on NRL.com website, just trying to dissect what Wayne was thinking and what he was trying to – because it's all a game to him. That's the beauty of it. And playing the game with Wayne is a great challenge. He's just having a laugh. Well – To himself. Yeah. And, and he will go and brag or brag or – Tell the guys, you know, or walk into the press room and say, "Watch, watch me stitch these guys up today," and completely dictate 
<laughs> the news cycle for the next three days. Yeah. I really enjoyed – there were a couple of seasons there with Wayne that were – those Friday press conferences or Thursday press conferences were just fun and challenging. You couldn't go in with a soft question because you just <clears> – you'd shut it down in a second and, and you'd just tail between your legs and kind of have the other journos laughing at you. I had another question. Something I wanted to ask you. It's something that's a, I don't know if it, it needs to be said, but the, the question that I always hate that journalists ask is when they ask a coach whether he thinks his job's safe or like ask him something like, do you think you're going to have a job next week? And I know that who they are and, and who pays the bills and that the fans want to know, but I find it a question that just really irks me that you can ask someone you know that, and you know it happens every every other week. There's a coach under pressure, and it's like, have you got the support of the board? Are you going to be employed here next week? And we're obviously seeing it with um, Anthony Seabold at the moment. It's it's just one of those weird ones. Do you think it's right that that we really poke and prod at a person like that? Like, are you going to be employed here next week? Like, I'd hate that if someone was coming at me and, and my job and going, do you think you're going to have a job next week? Like, I've been in journalism for want to finish ninety seven, so over twenty years. One thing I hate. At the moment, and it's developed, I guess, with the way society's moved forward, is we're looking for a reaction, not an answer. Yeah. There's no way you can answer that no. question. That's what I mean. Like it. In, in a meaningful way. What do you expect people to say to, uh, do you think you're going to have a job tomorrow? Well, at this stage, I do. Like, And the only reason the question is being asked is so that the headline can scream, coach defies losing streak and yeah. in, in, insist. We're just looking for a headline. And I really dislike that trend of answering questions that really have no reasonable answer. Yeah. And you're not even – you're asking a question without wanting an answer. So so the question I was going to ask, um, and I, I spoke to you before, before we started recording, I, I, was, I remember being in the US in 2009 and it was very limited things on the telly and I was, I was actually wa- lying there watching a um, press club uh, address or something like that and back then they were talking about how do we transition the media to be able to you know you know capitalize on this online thing and you know still get paid for the content and all that sort of stuff i wonder if you can help my listeners understand the threat that journalism's under as far as you know the AAP, nearly losing the aap and and different big organizations like reducing their staff and what that actually means in this era where, you know, people want everything now and they want the truth and, you know, we all whinge about clickbait, but it's essentially what everyone's, they're the stories that everyone's clicking on to read. Like, can, can you help us understand, well, what happens if we don't have journalists or what happens if we don't have good journalists that are paid for, for the content they produce? I can tell you there was one journalist at the Titan Sharks game last week, one print journalist, oh, sorry, I should say, one print journalist, quality. It comes back to what you want to consume. Yeah. You know, you know, if you pay $2 for a burger, it's not going to be as good as the one that costs you 10 Yeah. If someone gives you a free burger, would you even eat it? Oh, I would, but <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got issues. <laughs> but that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. You know, like if you only want to be fed really average content generated in the most base way, then don't pay and you, that's all you'll get. I'm no genius, but even I see articles now written that they're clearly written in a hurry that don't – not not just sports, but just like anything you're reading, like 
was this written by a person? Like, like is this one thing I would say is don't take the bait. Yeah. Every time you click that, and it's it's an impulse you've really got to fight. And I'm we keep getting fed it too. Then, as a journalist, I feel like I'm compelled to click things that might. And but I've just been stung so many times where you think, you know, coach threatens to walk out, and you click the story, and there's nothing remotely like that. But they've already got your click, so don't take the bait. Pay for content you think is worth your money and it doesn't have to be a lot but support the people you think are producing quality content otherwise your facebook feed is all you're going to get yeah and that's really sad the, the i don't know if i hope we can get to a point i think with our attention spans have shrunk so much that the, you know the numbers tell you what people are clicking on and it's not in-depth thought thought out heavily researched pieces yeah it's controversial and it's, you know, it's and it's instant. The the one thing I will say is, and and I'm at the very amateur end of the scale, but this medium seems to be attracting a huge amount of focus. We've obviously just seen that Joe Rogan's signed a mammoth deal to shift all of his content to Spotify, and that's the good thing about him is it is long form conversations. You can go deep on topics, and people are seem to be willing to consume it. It's not maybe it's not a reading thing like reading something. If I've got a scroll too many times, like geez, this article's long, <laughs> but I'll listen to a three-hour podcast. Like, three, I don't, three flicks of your fingers and you're done. Yeah, it's I, you know, and that's you know, it's weird. I don't, I'm, I'm not a big reader, but I'll, I'll listen to things for for hours on end. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's that's the shift. What yeah. I find interesting is even with Joe, and I listen to Joe a lot as well, is the stories that get written on little sound bites that are taken out of context perhaps in order to – it's the news that's generated off the back of people being paid to do the reporting. That's that's the – if there's no one at a press conference to ask questions, like people can sit at home and cover an NRL game just as well as the one guy who was at the Titan Sharks last weekend. Yes. You get the press conferences you can watch. You know, the access is unbelievable. But someone's got to be there to ask the questions at the press conference. There was one. You know, it's not a lot, it's not a big stretch for there to be none. And then what do we do? So that that's the big the big concern for me is that the bottom feeders that are taking and not actually putting back in mm. are the ones that are generating clicks because that's their methodology and their their, their business model. Um, but if we're not paying for good journos to go and accurately report stories, then what think, c- what can we trust? I think the problem is that the free the free content was here on mass before the the newspapers even started charging people for online or took it seriously. We, well, my, my wife worked at a, at, a, at a large newspaper for a fair while, and they just they disregarded the online side of things. There was people in that in, in that organisation that just saw that the online stuff was a joke. Yeah, I, it's. I just don't know whether giving it away for as long as they did is going to make it hard for people to pay for it now. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. That I think if they had have embraced the technology, it's like taxi drivers coming up with an app. You're too late. Yeah, the app it's gone. Yep, everyone's using Uber now. Yep. It, it's the same. If, if if the newspapers had led the way 
with the online content and charging people for that online content with a good app or, you know, whatever the portal was. People would have just got used to paying. Actually, I'm not, I'm not buying the paper anymore. A dollar a month or a dollar a week or whatever it is, you know. But we got so used to getting it all for free and then the papers turned around and went, no, 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 we want you to pay for that now. And it's like, next article, I'm not, you know, like. Let me ask you then as a sports nut, what would you pay for? What content would you pay for? It's got to be good. It's got to, and I've got to believe it. Is it video? Is it, is it written articles? Is it, you know, audio grabs? What, what do you... I'm sort of embarrassed to say I don't subscribe to any news. So where do you get your news? Twitter. You bikes. <laughs> Straight from the athlete. Yeah. Themselves. And I think that's a big switch we've seen too is that athlete-generated content. We'll be watching the news sometimes. I'm like, this was on Twitter two days ago. Yeah. You're watching the TV and, and they're two days behind the internet. It's like, really? What do you, you but, know? But do you, will you, because I, I have my, I've got a news subscription, but I haven't subscribed to like the Herald, like the Sydney Morning Herald and things like that. And the, like the Australian. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated by what people are prepared to pay for. Because I think there's so many journos at the moment out of work that I feel like there's an opportunity for a sports generated news service if people are prepared to pay for it. Oh, but oh, I don't know what people are prepared to pay for. My reluctance to buy the local paper, and I don't want to name them, but the, the local paper, people can work that out, is that they've been anti-Titans. And I, I don't want to read anti-Titans stuff. And that's it's odd. It's got to be balanced. It's really. got to be balanced, and it's got, but it's got to be correct. But it can't be like, they can't be the ones leading with the relocation stories. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not. I'm not paying for that. I can get kicked every. <laughs> I've got everybody else kicking me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I don't need the local paper that should be, you know, about the community kicking us when we're down as well, or being the ones fueling. And and this could be completely. This could completely unfounded, but you've got. And and I could be completely wrong on this, but you've got the Broncos. That were all, I don't know if they still are, but they were backed by News Limited. Yeah, still majority shareholder, yeah, for sure. And they own the Brisbane paper. Yep. And the Gold Coast paper. Yep. The conspiracy theorist in me says that they never wanted the Titans to succeed. And I could be completely wrong on that, but that's just my underlying feeling is that the Titans never got a fair go from the bully because of that. And there's another interesting issue you raised there in terms of the lack of diversity in media ownership in this country. Yeah. You know, like, soon enough, if we're not careful, News Limited will be the only news outlet in the country. And then we just have to take what well, they, they give us. Well, they just need to merge with Nine now and it would be pretty much done, wouldn't it? If News Limited bought into Nine or vice versa? Yeah. Like, honestly, we're down to two or three players. And that's why people aren't buying, paying for news because and they don't... There's no diversity there. Let me throw it. Would you pay an extra 50 bucks for your Titans membership if you got exclusive kind of video interviews or if you could – What? Mm. how How do you want to access – They're pretty good, like, but I would say you don't yeah, – at the moment you don't need to be a Titans fan. You get the same content online pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'm, it's, I'm lucky – it's it's my birthday present every year from my father-in-law is my is my Titans membership. But if he wasn't doing it, I'd be paying my membership. I'm not a seated member. I'm a I'm I'm a social member, and I get to as many many games as I can. But 
I, yeah, I don't know how you work that out. I, Go, golf's gone down this path recently with this golf TV and I think golf pass. So they're trying, and there have been tournaments, WGC, the World Golf Championships, in the last couple of years where if you're not a subscriber to one of those, you can't view it and it's not even on Fox. Sorry, can I answer your question? Yeah. I've just remembered, I remembered it. I should get to, for my Titans membership, I should be able to watch every Titans game. And I can't because we most of the time we play Saturday afternoon, so which means I need another subscription. So that it came up a little while ago. So you, you talk about golf having a subscription or, yeah, a, or yeah. a platform where they own the content. Yep. UFC have done it magnificently. They've partnered with ESPN, but you know they've got the UFC Fight Pass and you've got ESPN Plus and all that sort of stuff. So you, you, their subscription directly relates to to their game. And there was talk that Channel 9 or Fox wanted NRLs online. Because like, you can have an NRL digital for, for sure, membership. For yeah. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get every um, game. And I think as Telstra membership, you get that. Yeah. But what I'm, when you say, oh, would you pay extra for? It's like, well, if my membership included, I knew that every Titans game I was going to get to see, yeah, I'd pay 20 bucks extra for that or whatever, you know, um, whatever the fee might be. But I, I was... I was horrified when I heard that they were trying to get hold of the NRL's online streaming. I was like, no, 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 no. They need to hold that. That's their content. The NRL owns this game. I know the media companies pay the bills, but the NRL owns the game. So I would think it should go, you know, that's a, that's the content is the game. It's, we've got such a great game. That's the bit you pay for. So I would love to see them throw down and go, well, do you know what? How many people are buying a Fox subscription? Just to watch NRL. I reckon oh, it's huge. Lots. Lots. NRL and AFL combined, it's would be massive. Like how many people have, have got Optus Vision just to watch soccer? Yeah. European soccer. What if the Titans charged you extra to have two legends or whatever commentate their games and you could access the Titans supporter commentary? It'd be pretty cool. I think that's stuff like the NFL do. Like, well, so you it's like Yankees TV or such and such TV. Like each club produces their content. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're going with that. Like it's, you, you know, if you're listening to a Yankees game and it's played at Yankee Stadium, it's commentated by so and so and so and so. Like that have been doing it for thirty years. Like and are embedded Yankees and are going to give you a coverage that, as a Titans fan, yeah, you can you will ride the highs and lows with them. It was really hard for me, in some respects, moving up here and covering the Titans because you had to basically cover the game. You should cover the game balance, but we've seen a lot of interest in this supporter commentary kind of setups where the the mad ferals just go for it. So so you talk journalism needs balance, no doubt. Commentary, what would I pay? Yeah, I'd pay not to have to listen to to I'll be careful here. I'd I'd pay for a, a for a Titans biased commentary for sure. And it is a different thing here a Titans invested person. Yeah say something critical that you go, yeah, that's, that is true. As opposed to someone having a shot at them who's not in, invested in the club and you think, you know, you're just... Other than Mal, we don't get a lot of representation. Or oh, Gordy, no. Gordon Tallis yeah. does a little bit, but as far as like in-game commentary, the Panthers get a pretty good run on it because they've either got Gus or Brandy, Eels, you've got Sterlow, Broncos, they've always got two or three guys, like... But this, I'm, I'm looking for places where all these out-of-work journos will end up. How is content going to shift? How is 
content going to be presented to people in a way that will make them value it enough to pay for it? That's that's where I'm fascinated where the we simul- go the next five to ten years. The simulcast. What yeah. do you mean by that? So the the alternate the alternate coverage. Yeah. Like Ryan HG used to do for the origin way back in the yeah, day yeah. on like Triple M or whatever it was. Maybe that's it. Maybe you know, Joe, we talk about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan does it for the fights where he's not the commentator. Him and his four mates get together, yeah. get on fight the beers. Companion. Fight companion. Yeah. Probably gets bigger coverage than the like I'll listen to a fight companion two weeks after the fights just to like listen to them dribble. Like yeah, yeah. maybe that's it. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, I think the athlete generated content and this kind of I guess tailored bias to everyone to call it feed is um is perhaps where we'll go because I, I just think we've gone too far removed from the traditional model to go back there. Do you, do you know who if if I subscribe to something in the next couple of weeks it'll probably be um Steve Mascord's platform but he's you know like he's trying to put a lot of um con- rugby league content all in the one yeah, spot yeah, yeah. sort of thing. It'd be something like that, you and know. And I see a lot of journalists at the moment doing the Patreon thing and trying to individually kind of find a you know charge someone a dollar 50 to read an article. Yeah. I just think there's an opportunity for I don't know what it looks like, but I feel like people will pay for a quality content. I just don't know what type of content they're really looking for right now. Um, the Titans have got like 200,000 people or something that like their Facebook page. It, obviously, we don't get anywhere near that at a game. and But it's like, that's, that's 200,000 people that are interested in what, the, whether they're haters or, or fans. It's 200,000 people want to know what the Titans are up to. So if there was a two-hour podcast a week with one player that delved into every aspect of their I'm life. I'm trying. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we as fans want to get to is that that deep access. Um, they should be generating that themselves. Find a way to make it that exclusive members-only members thing that makes you want to renew and or invest yeah. in a membership. And that way you're getting access to things that are of high value to you. I just, yeah, how we feed people content and what that looks like and what people will pay for is... So, so this is where... I'm not, get, I'm not an ideas man. This I'm is just, where it gets <laughs> embarrassing, right? I pay for in this household. We tried to, We did the Barefoot Investor and we were trying to cut things away and I'd go, yeah, I want Apple Music. And then my wife goes, well, I want... Netflix and it's like oh but I'm watching something on Stan oh we got a, thankfully we got a free free connection to Apple at the moment because we bought uh, Apple equipment so I'm paying I get my Foxtel really cheap because it's part of my internet but I'm paying a li- little bit of money for that so internet Foxtel Netflix Stan Apple Music I'm paying an exorbitant amount of money for that stuff when and then my mate goes why haven't you got a bleep? I'm like, I'm not paying for that. <laughs> it's $5 you, a month or $5 a week or something. It's where you attribute value though. Yeah. That's, you know, to me, I made the move 12 months ago to a Spotify premium. Yep. I'm like, why would I pay premium when I'm getting it for free? Yep. But then it just got to the point where I thought, I'm using this so much and getting so much out of it that if I can tailor it and get the most out of it by paying eight ninety nine a month, then that's a good investment for me. We're the same. We've got Disney Plus, Stan, Netflix, Fox. Yet we're buying the cheap meat at Coles. 
it's, it's crazy. where it's where you attribute value, and that's where I. So I guess that that tells you that people that aren't putting value in news at the moment, but they, but the the sad reality is, if we don't and we lose it altogether, it'll God help us. Or has it gone too far anyway? Do we just not trust what we're getting, and that's why we don't not prepared to pay for it? Well, oh. so so today at seven thirty, Fafita was coming to the Titans by eight thirty. He was staying at the Broncos and then by this afternoon he was doing a year at the Titans and then going back to the Broncos. Today's well, news cycle. Well, well, believe, yeah. And that, and that as a journo, that's an impossible thing to try and keep up with. So you just have to be, you know, you're not, you're not right. You know, what's the thing? I, you know, you don't have to be right. You just have to be first. Yeah. You know, you just throw things out in the ether and hope it sticks. And And people don't. They just get over that for all. Well, that wasn't true. That wasn't right. He didn't go there. He didn't make that move. He didn't. That coach didn't end up at that club. But everyone's moved on. Everyone's moved. Like, no one ever goes back and goes, three weeks ago, you said this. But like, I, I think the distrust is there now. Yeah. People don't actually attribute worth to whatever they hear in the news. I just think intelligent people will look at news and think, well, they're just, that's just a clickbait heading to get me to watch or click or get engage in any way. You know, we're built on anger and outrage and I think most people are tired of that. That's why – and that's to your point about podcasts. People are happy for a deep dive Yeah, if they think they're getting value from it. Because it's not a sound bite that's been cut up. No, they can – they get something out of it. Like I've listened to, you know, plenty of Joe Rogan podcasts of people I would never have read a story about. For sure. And taken a lot out of it. Neil deGrasse Tyson was like a revelation to me. You know, an astro, yep. astrophysicist, yep. I would never have I've now I've bought his books as presents for people. So yeah. but where do sports fans go? Where do we invest our money to get content that we value? That's Do you know what? I think pe- I think it's gonna end up you get it straight from the content creator and that is the NRL or the NBA or the AFL. Like they're the I think that's what's going to end up happening. You're going to need the NBA app or you're going to need the AFL app or you're going to need the NRL app. It's, I, Fox are doing a, you know, they've they've had a monopoly. For a long while, I didn't like Fox. I was like, what? You shouldn't have to pay for this stuff. But I think they're doing a way better job at rugby league specifically, which is where my passion is, than, the, than Channel 9. Every game, live, rolling content, its own channel, but it comes at a cost, and I don't know whether the cost, whether they get the ROI on that or not. But and they've had a lot of layoffs, yeah, recently as well. Like they're hanging on by a thread too. If they ever lost the NRL rights, like subscriptions would, you know, KO is an interesting, you know, like that's where we'll go. I think you know, I probably next renewal will do KO rather than a full Fox mm. Tel subscription. We will pay. Eight, nine, ten bucks a month, twenty bucks a month. Um, but that's more specifically rewarding the the people that are providing you a service with what you actually want to watch. At the moment, I get I get my basics package for next next to nothing, but it's going to cost me twenty nine dollars a month for sport. And it's like, well, you know, I've got to pay all this to get get that, and that's the cheapest you're going to get Foxtel for. Most people are paying thirty, forty, fifty dollars plus the twenty twenty five for for sports. But the KO model is I'm paying for what I want. And if you go a little bit further and you go, well, I'm going to subscribe to the UFC Fight Pass. That's p- me paying directly for what I want and not paying for all the other channels that I don't. 
and that's where I think they could win. I definitely think that's – I think in five – God, everything moves so quick. In five years' time, you will have access to certain channels you subscribe to through your internet-connected TV. Yeah. And I just think it should be a dollar a channel. <laughs> you got 300 channels there. I'm going to give you 30 bucks and I'll get 30 channels. Yeah, it's again, it comes back to value. Yeah. You know, some people are prepared to pay five bucks for Lifestyle Channel where you wouldn't give them 50 cents. And that's where we get into arguments because <laughs> uh, Missy, my wife, wants to watch um, Selling Houses Australia on oh, a Sunday morning. Like, preach. Hey, we, I could talk to you all afternoon, but I've got three questions I ask every guest. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them at you and just sort of give them to me rapid fire. Okay. Favourite athlete of all time? Tiger Woods. Favourite place in the world for a beer? Can I brag? Humble brag? Yeah. I've had a beer at Richie Richardson's bar in Antigua. Richie Richardson? The, what, great West Indian cricketer? Oh. That was a good spot for a beer. I told him that. You know what? It's a quick, quick story. I was at his bar and I, turned, I bought a drink. It's on the beach. And uh, he turned up beside me. I said, oh, nice spot for a pub you got here. He said, yeah, I know. And walked <laughs> away. That's my Richie Richardson story. So that's that, my spot for a beer. I like it. That's that's it. That's unique. We haven't had that one before. Righto, last one. Any four people over for a beer and a barbecue from history, alive or dead, doesn't have to be an athlete, but just any four people, who's coming and what are you cooking? I'm going to sound so boring. Jerry Seinfeld has to get a start. One of my favourites. Alicia Keys, in case we have some music a bit later on. Yeah, I like this lineup so far. Um, got have a sport. Can I have Tiger as? Yep, yep. There's just some stories I need to hear over a couple of beers, <laughs> and I'm gonna bring Kevin Hart with him because I know he'll get. The story's out of Tiger. He might not tell me on my own. I so like I'll just it. sit back and listen. And That's a solid lineup. I like let it. those guys entertain me and girls. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Where can, our, where can our listeners find you? Where's the best place to, to follow along? You can find my work in Australian Golf Digest magazine and also on the uh, PJ of Australia website. And um, follow me on Twitter and I'll try and make you laugh. Sounds good. Uh, Everyone knows where they can find us at Beers and Banter on all the platforms. Please like, follow, subscribe and share. It is really helpful for our for our reach. Um, don't forget the giveaway we've got on our Instagram at the moment. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers.